Hello, this is Dr. Clayton Smith, your host of Biblical Information Network, Ben, B-I-N. Glad to be back with you uh, today on this podcast, and, and I pray that all is doing well during this uh, pandemic, um, and pray that God has given you all his blessings uh, during this time. This is uh, the forum again where we want to take God's revelation and interpretation and bring some application. And hopefully and prayerfully that you will allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate your mind, that you can absorb God's truth. Because I'm here just to, just to give you his word. And I pray that I tell you nothing that God has not already said. But we're going to get right to the point of our, our text today. Uh, if you would uh, turn to Colossians, the uh, second chapter. Colossians, the second chapter, uh, verses 6 through 12. And I'm reading out of the uh, NIV Bible. And it reads, Then just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Verse 9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head, over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. I like to take our revelation from this uh, particular text as uh, we focus on uh, verse 8 and then we'll go back to verse uh, 6 and 7. Again in verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive. No one, nothing takes you captive. And I just want to talk a little bit about our freedom in Christ and how we can 
maintain our freedom that God has given us and to translate in our, in our lives on a daily basis. How can we take the word of God in the book of Colossians that Paul is writing to the church of Colossae as well as to the church of Laodicea to address an issue or problem within the church from those who have crept in unawares and uh, bringing false uh, teaching and a false doctrine uh, to uh, the body of Christ. And that false teaching and that false doctrine had mainly to do with the person and work of Jesus Christ. Anything that you hear taught that downplays who Jesus Christ is and the Christ that we have been informed by the written word of God um, needs to be rejected. And so um, Paul is addressing uh, uh, the church to uh, beware of those who come in and try to teach things that are false. Jesus said to us, uh, in John, the 8th chapter, and the 36th verse. A very familiar passage of Scripture. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now that's a very profound uh, scripture that Jesus was saying uh, to those uh, that he was facing uh, in the crowds and on his way to Jerusalem that I'm always amazed at the scriptures how we look in the gospels as well as in the epistles and of course the Old Testament that foreshadows Jesus Christ uh, how the Holy Spirit is able to have it all connected together in unison. So we know that the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. And God brings his truth to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you would never understand the Scripture without the Holy Spirit in you. So the Spirit brings a whole system of truth. And Paul, who was the apostle, the true apostle of Jesus Christ in the early church, um, apostles were there in the early church. Uh, but now we have the written word of Scripture, we have the revelation, and our authority. It comes not comes from apostolic authority. Our authority comes from the revelation of his written word that the apostles and others in the epistles gave us. And then it was brought to us in the canon of scripture. And so Jesus 
said, when I make you free, I make you free indeed. And so Paul here is talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. And I think that's so, they're very important on a daily basis uh, that 24 hours a day we must realize that we are free men and we are free women because God has made us free. So we ought to be able to think freely, not allow the things of this world to think for us. God has given us the mind of Christ. And having the mind of Christ, we can be free thinkers. God has given us choice. And as a Christian, each day that we live, we have choices that we can make. We can either make them for his glory or not for his glory. Or we can have, we can make decisions that seek for ourselves and our own glory and not God. But if we are in Christ, and it has to do with relationship because Christianity really is not a religion. It's about relationship. And our relationship is with Christ Jesus. So, in Colossians, Paul is bringing home a very important principle about being free in Christ and being able to think and not allow false leaders and teachers to sway our mind in a direction opposite than what we have, what we have learned and what we have been taught in Scripture. So when I say free thinkers, I, we ought to be free to think for ourselves, think for self, according to God's will and purpose. And when I say self, I mean our Christian self, free to think uh, from the perspective of our new nature that he has given us in Christ, uh, in Christ Jesus, because in the, the scripture that I read earlier in verse 10, he says, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were circumcised in the putting off of this sinful nature, meaning that sinful nature, even though it is still there, does not hold authority over us. is not our master. So then we can follow the perceptions and the principles, I should say, of our new nature. Another way of saying it, I summarize it, we can be free to think from our self-identity in Christ. As Christians, our whole being on a daily basis should be our identity, which is in Christ. Now, let me bring it on a practical level. Whatever career 
whatever job you have, whatever profession you have, or we have as Christians, our identity in Christ comes first. It doesn't matter if you're a physician, you are a Christian physician. Doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, a teacher. You are a Christian teacher. You are a Christian lawyer. If you're an advisor, you're an ad a Christian advisor. Your identity forms who you are. Not our ethnic identity. We can thank God for our culture. We can thank God for our ethnicity. He made us who we are. We ought to take the good from it and do what we can and reject the bad from it. But our identity is formed by our relationship that we have in Christ. And it's very important to know that every waking hour and when we sleep too, Satan wants to strip us of our identity in Christ. Satan, the world, and the flesh seeks to strip us daily of our identity, which is in Christ. And so Paul really laying out this framework here. Don't let anybody rob you of your identity. Hold on to what you have been taught. So how does Satan do this? How does the world do this? Well, it does this by temptation. Satan is a, is a great tempter, a great deceiver, a great liar. And he attempts to draw you away from the godly way and to follow his way. So anything that Satan can have you to think what may seem good or attractive or better than what you have, he will attempt to draw you into sin and unrighteousness. So on a practical level, we have to maintain our standing, our identity, that privilege that God has given us in our relationship and our status and our standing as, as believers who are in union with Christ. The universal church is made up of all those who are in union in Christ, in seminary, we used to call this mystical reunion. Oh, excuse me, mystical union. That is really, you can't see it. You, you, you know, we can only go by what a person confesses, by the fruit they bear. But this is the universal church that's everywhere. It's a mystical union that we're all in the body of Christ. We have been baptized in the body by spirit baptism into the into uh, the church, and after we then we then we enter in fellowship in a local church. 
But Satan wants to sift you as wheat. In Luke uh, chapter 22 and uh, 31, Luke chapter 22 and 31. And it says that he wants to sift you as wheat. That is, that is what his main uh, emphasis is, according to uh, the word of God. In verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon, this is Jesus speaking, in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brother. That's the word that um, uh, Christ has given to Simon concerning the evil works of Satan. Again, he wants to lure us away from the truth of God's purpose and his will to that which we appear to be more appealing. The very important aspect of this text here in our lesson today says in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. The word of God did not say all philosophy was bad. But the word here means philosophy in a bad sense. Empty words. Words and, and teachings that have no eternal value, has no value for your growth as a Christian, but is wrapped in a neat package of human wisdom that takes you nowhere. And so Paul says, don't follow the, any teaching that downgrades the deity of Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. He has dwelt among us. He is the fullness. You got everything you need in Christ. When it comes to growing your, your faith, when it comes to your faith formation, when it comes to having more knowledge in the word of God, you don't have to need any other knowledge of, of the word, of what's written in the word of God today. Anybody else that comes to you and say they got some revelation that's not in scripture, reject it. Follow the truth that God has given us for our growth and for our understanding. Hollow and deceptive philosophy. Now, there are philosophies, uh, what we call uh, 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 teachings or things or principles that we are guided on a daily basis. A lot of things in the world that uh, we follow and, 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 and make sense in our life that necessarily does not necessarily contradict the basic principles of some things in the Word of God. Philosophy of living and things of like nature that, 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 that can be damaging to us, we reject. If it doesn't fall in line with the Word of God, a lot of things in the world today are coming at us left and right that seems to make sense and seems to be more attractive to you, to your mind, 
But it's not God's purpose and it's not God's design. And so scripture teaches us through the words of Apostle Paul that's authored by the scripture is to reject. See to it. That's a, that's a daily effort that we have to make. I know there's an old saying that let, let go and let God, but, you know, there's a little difficulty with that saying is that there's some things that we have to do. We just can't let God do everything. God has saved us, yes. God has given us his grace, yes. But it's some things that we have to do. We have to work out our salvation. In other words, we get saved by faith, but after we get saved, we have works we have to do. A righteousness, fruit, a faith that we have to present on a daily basis. So see to it. That is an effort. That's something we have to do. That no one takes you captive. No one chains your mind. Sh shackles your mind to ungodly and false teachings of the day. Now, how do you do that on a, on a, on a daily basis? How do we bring this down to earth and 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 and, be, and, and look at this and and um, uh, bring the principles of God's word to address this issue. Notice, notice in verse um, uh, latter part of verse eight, he says, "Hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition." Paul was dealing with Judaizers, and he was dealing with human wisdom, and there was seemed to be a uh, this false teaching uh, that downplayed the deity of Jesus Christ, and, and discussed uh, uh, the worship of angels and and the the ceremonial ritual aspects of the law was brought into play with it. Uh, and, and, and instead of Christ. Uh, Christ's work on the cross was sufficient. Christ fulfilled all the demands of the Old Testament. Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection made us complete. We don't need, Jesus Christ doesn't need any help for us to get saved. He doesn't need help to do anything. He had already done it on the cross. His sacrifice for the sins of the world. So listen to what you hear on a daily basis. Whether you're watching television, whether you're watching, uh, looking at the news, or whether you hear people teaching and different all these leaders coming at you with all kind of talk about scripture and everything blowing the scriptures all out of context. You know the basic principles of the word yourself. And even if you can't debate someone else who seems to know what they know better than you, you still reject it. I don't care how good they sound. You go to someone that you know know the truth and ask them about it. That can mentor you uh, in the word of God. Call them up and ask them to lead you and direct you to show you the way. So this lot of this deceptive and this hollow, it all depends on human tradition. 
Now, the word tradition is not a bad word. Uh, we talk a lot about we need to get out of this tradition today. Well, there's a lot of traditions that we need to keep. Anything that's practiced for years and years, uh, uh, the word of God is a, is a written tradition, um, but it's a written tradition as an infallible word of God. These are the principles and practices that is timeless, that, 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 that goes through generation. God's, God's truth is timeless. It's just as appropriate as it was uh, in biblical days. It's just appropriate as it is today. It, it can address things in Paul's day. It can address all the modern things that are here today. We just have to take the right application to the truth that we have been given. The tradition of truth, we can't let go. I was talking to my wife one day about tr traditions, and they talk about traditions in the church. And, and I know at every generation, there's, there's a new generation that comes up in the church, and they say, we need to get rid of all these old traditions. You know, We need to do this, and we need to do this. We're not a, a horse and buggy days. We are this. So every generation has it. It had it in my day. When I was a teenager, and I was in my 20s, okay. And now we got another generation. But these same ones today that don't want to work with uh, some of the seniors in the church today and say, well, we're just going to get rid of all these traditions. But when they get old and their children is age, the children that they have are going to tell them, Mom and Daddy, we need to get rid of these traditions you got. So this is just a revolving door when we start talking about traditions. But one thing that tradition that holds firm that doesn't change is the word of God. That's not going to change. How we respond or our forms of worship and all these other things may change, but the word of God is the same. Sin is still sin. Temptation is still temptation. Unrighteousness is still unrighteousness. I don't care how you dress it up. It's still sin. So Paul is dealing with this talking about the basic principles of this world system, the teachings, the values, the behaviors of the world of which Satan tries to lead and direct. Of course, it says here, for in Christ, notice, notice here that I, I want you to, to think about this, is that Notice how many times he talks about Christ and what he says about Christ as a Christian. Notice in verse 9 he says, for in Christ, there we go, in Christ, that is a prep, prepositional phrase, in Christ. A preposition is something that uh, uh, expresses a relationship. You have to be in Christ to be a true Christian. And uh, I'm going to look at what, what being in Christ is in a minute when we look at verse 6. But for in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Then he says, and you have been given fullness in who? In Christ. You are full in Christ. Your potential is in Christ. Your potential to be a good 
member of the body of Christ to help your church and your pastor is in Christ. It is there for you. All you have to do is reach for it, desire it, go after it, pray for wisdom, and God will give it to you. Then it goes on in verse 9, who is the head over every power and authority? If Jesus is not the head of your life, of your family, if he is not the head, who is? Then it says further on, in him again, in him, you will also circumcise in the putting off of the sinful nature. Now, Paul is making a direct statement here, dealing with, uh, first of all, the old covenant. There was a, a circumcision, which was a sign of the old covenant, which was a sign of God's people in the old covenant. But now Christ has come to bring a new covenant, and our circumcision is not made by Hands. What identify us as God's people is that our heart is circumcised. We have been cut off uh, from this old nature. And our desire is to serve Christ. We're circumcision of the heart. Our heart has been changed. God has did a work on our, has did a heart operation on us. And we have repented and turned from self unto God. So not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God. Listen, before you go to water baptism, you got to go through spirit baptism. You have to be ministered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is spirit baptism that places you in the body of Christ. By through regeneration. Jesus is the one that gives us. We have life in Christ. The Holy Spirit regenerates us, gives us life in Christ. Without Christ, you have no life in you. Amen. And before, and then there's a spiritual resurrection. We have been, or we have arisen to a new life. We are dead to our old self. Not that our old self is not there to influence us if we allow that old nature to do so. But we are spiritually resurrected. We're alive in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you're not alive. You know, there's a lot of dead people walking around every day. There's a lot of dead people walking around. The walking dead. with PhDs, high on a corporate ladder, sitting in Congress, running our nations and our cities, high achievers in academia, great wealth and power and influence, but they are walking dead if they know not Christ. A person who has been a Christian one day has way has the knowledge and wisdom that a person who's been in the world a long time and has a whole lot of things going for him from a worldly standpoint. Because we are sanctified and we have the potential to know that godly wisdom 
that direct our lives on a daily basis. Then it goes on in verse 12 of Colossians, the second chapter. Having been buried again with him, there's Christ again in baptism. Raised with him, there's Christ again, through faith in God. So it's all about being in him. But I'm going to conclude right here in verse 6. How can we see to it that we are not taken by captive? Well, let's start off with number one. So then Jesus, as you received him, Jesus as Lord. First of all, you must know that he is Lord of your life. Jesus didn't just come to bring salvation. He came to make himself the Lord of your life. That's what salvation, our, our Savior and our Lord, he is your master. He directs your thoughts. He directs your mind. He is the head. Our direction comes from the head. He is the Lord of your life. Nothing else is. I don't care where you at. You got to know who you serve. Keep that on the inside. Keep it in your mind. I know who I serve. You go to your job and you be the best employee that you can, not because it's, it's in, the, in, the, in the rules or the policy of the corporation. You be a good employee because when you go to work, God gave you that job. You're working for the Lord. You seek excellent things because the Lord gave you that job. He's your head. He's your Lord. He's your boss. You're not there to serve anybody but your master, which is Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you have a better day at work. When you get up in the morning and go to a job, don't think you're trying to make your boss happy. Don't think you're trying to make your corporation happy. Go there to please God. Be a good, honest uh, employee of integrity because he gave you that job. I don't care who hired you or who interviewed you. They couldn't, they couldn't have hired you without God's grace and his permission, whether they realize it or not. Secondly, continue to live in him. And that's something you have to do. That's a verb. And I don't want to get into the Greek here, but that's something that the subject of the sentence does. That's an action that the subject does. And I'm not going to break it down, but it means to continue. That's something you have to do. You have to pray. You have to study the word. You have to make your, yourself available to be taught in scripture, to continue in him. Now, let me, let me tell you something real good here, right here. Now, we're going to leave from what we have to do to what God does. That's rooted, built up in him, strengthened. First of all, you are rooted. When you get rooted, you got rooted at your conversion. This is where your life comes from. As Jesus said, I am he and he is in me, and, you know, the branch that God, uh, as, as the word gave us that, that analogy, 
He is the branch. He is the root from which the branch gets its life. So your life comes from your spiritual life, your capacity to live as a Christian is because you have been rooted in Christ. You can't live and please God unless you're rooted in Christ. I don't care how much good you do. It might seem nice. It might feel good to someone else. But goodness is not going to get you to heaven. You got to be rooted in him. Call, make, make sure your calling and election is sure. Then you have to be built up in him. That's another word that God does towards us. He builds up. He provides the increase. He'll build your life up. I'm telling you, if you live for him, if you accept him as your Lord, he has already rooted you and he will build you. He will build your character. He will build your life. Anything that's torn down on the strongholds in your life that need to be restored or, or, or put back together. God can put the pieces back together. He'll build you up. That is a promise by God. Anything spiritual blessings is a promise by God. Not that these physical blessings may not be promised, but spiritually God give it to you. He'll build you up. You got to have faith and trust him and don't listen to the principles of the world. Listen to the word of God. He'll build you up. He'll build you, your mind, your thoughts, your heart. You can be a better person today as you were yesterday. And then he says, strengthen in the faith. Suffering, carrying your cross will discipline you, will strengthen you in the faith as you have been taught. Now, you got to be, have a teachable spirit and God will bless you. These are all the blessings that God can give you. He rooted. You're built up in him. You're strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Overflowing. And while you're walking, you're overflowing with thankfulness. That's worship. Praise him. Worship him. Thank him. Because of his grace. If you do that, your life will be much better from this day forward. Be sincere and be real. Let me tell you, when you keep deep, deep, deep down in sin and unrighteousness for years and months, now let me tell you, you ain't going to just be able to jump out of it immediately. You Sometimes you have to take baby steps backwards out of a situation. But you got to start somewhere. It's a process. You didn't fall in unrighteousness and a backslidden lifestyle overnight. But God's grace will help you back up a little bit here. Step out. Make a decision, a different decision here. Focus on something different here. Uh, uh, and ask God for the power to do it. He'll, and he'll, you'll see as time go on, you, you'll be that light I talked about earlier in another, in another podcast. He's your Lord. He'll root you. He has rooted you, has rooted us. He'll build us up, build up in him, strengthen in faith as you were taught. Hold on to what you've been taught and don't listen to this false teaching, as Paul was saying to the church, but overflow with thanksgiving. And just praise be to God. He has forgiven us for all our sins. 
has canceled out all those things of the written law, has filled all those things which are in Christ. And all I want to say is that you can live in a victorious life in the freedom of Jesus Christ. So hold on to that freedom that God has given you. And he'll make a way out of the way. That is the truth that will hold you today and will hold you tomorrow because God is a God who, who knows, who cares, and, and willing uh, to walk with him. So walk in him and you will be making progress on a daily basis. Amen. God bless. This has been Biblical Information Network. And I pray for you and you pray for me.